Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and it is my pleasure to talk to you today. The final of the seven letters to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3 is to the church at Laodicea. Personally, I find it to be the most disconcerting and even frightening of all of the letters. It is found in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22, and this is what it says. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may become rich and white garments, that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes, that you may see. Those whom I love I repute and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The city of Laodicea was located approximately 45 miles southeast of the city of Philadelphia in Asia Minor, in an area famous for hot springs that emitted a lukewarm water. In the suburbs of the city, there was a renowned school of medicine. It produced a very well-known eye medicine, which was called Phrygian powder. The region in which the city was found was also distinguished because it was the breeding ground of a special breed of sheep that produced a very beautiful and glossy black wool. Perhaps most importantly, Laodicea was a center of commerce and was one of the wealthiest cities in the world. It had theaters, a magnificent stadium, fancy public baths, and a host of other leisure activities. It was a city of bankers, and it had a large retired community. All of these things put together help us to understand the condition of the church there. As always, Jesus knew exactly what was going on in that congregation, just as he does today. This was a congregation that could not be described as cold, meaning that they had never really experienced the power or influence of the gospel, nor could it be said that they were hot, 
meaning filled with zeal and on fire for the Lord. No, the truth be told, they were just lukewarm. And the Lord would rather that they be cold than to pretend to be faithful children of his. But what he truly desired was that they be hot, excited to be Christians, and working hard to bring others to the Lord. The interesting and frightening thing about this letter is that it shows just exactly how the Lord feels about a lukewarm attitude in a Christian. It is nauseating to him. Did you ever notice how a cold or hot drink may be just the thing needed to quench a thirst, but a lukewarm liquid just doesn't taste right and can even make you gag? That is how the Lord feels towards those who are lukewarm toward him. He told the brethren in Laodicea that if they did not repent, he would spit you out of my mouth. Can you imagine thinking that you are a faithful Christian, but the Lord feels that way about you? That ought to be enough to make everybody sit up and do some real self-evaluation. The Lord didn't leave it just at that. He went on in verses 17 and 19 and told the Laodicean brethren what had brought them to this position. Then he made an earnest plea for those thus afflicted to repent. Here was the problem. They figured that they were financially secure, had the things that they wanted, weren't hurting for anything, and were pretty happy with themselves. This doesn't mean that the church there consisted only of wealthy people, but it was a wealthy city, and the majority of the church was probably comfortably middle class. In that socioeconomic level, there is a tendency for folks to become satisfied, complacent, and rather formulaic in the way they worship God. Personally, I believe that this happens to a large number of congregations today. Reasonably secure from a financial standpoint and situated in a nice building in a good part of town, Christians can become pretty happy with themselves. They support a man or two, maybe even mail out a bulletin, but individually, there is very little personal evangelism taking place. And when the opportunity for evangelistic work is presented, comparatively few will show up to do the work. They are actually lukewarm spiritually. But again, in Revelation 3.17, how did the Lord describe the actual spiritual condition of complacent and unmotivated Christians? He said that they didn't even know that they were wretched, meaning distressed spiritually. They didn't even know that they were miserable, meaning actually to be pitied. Here they were pleased with themselves, and the Lord is saying, No, 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 you are to be pitied, not envied. They didn't know that they were poor, spiritually speaking. From a material standpoint, they were very comfortable, not even realizing that the Lord was viewing them as spiritual beggars. Jesus said that they did not know they were blind, spiritually blind, and unable to discern their own wretched condition. And he also called them naked. They were not clothed in holiness as they might have thought they were. They were standing uncovered and naked before the Lord spiritually. Wow! What a terrible picture. However, it is a picture that is repeated many times today, congregationally, and even more frequently, individually. If I wanted to prove that I was a lukewarm Christian, how could I do it? Well, I'd be sporadic in attendance. 
I would never darken the door any time other than Sunday morning. I could never read my Bible or see to it that my children read theirs. I could neglect to sing at the one service I do attend and glance at my watch occasionally to see just how long this whole thing is taking. I could never visit the sick or write them an encouraging card. If I never talk to anyone about their salvation or invite anyone to a service or a study, that would be pretty good proof too. I'm sure that you can think of many other ways that a person could prove conclusively that they were a lukewarm Christian. Here is what Jesus told the lukewarm Christians of Laodicea to do. Buy from me gold refined with fire that you may become rich. My friends, the riches of the world will pass away, but faith tried by fire, tempered in the crucible of fire and tribulations through which the Lord has carried us, doesn't pass away. It is true riches. Jesus also urged them to buy from him white garments that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. White symbolizes purity and holiness. And this reminds me of what Paul told the Philippian brethren back in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. He said, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. In addition, Jesus told them to buy from him eye salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. They were blind to what they were really doing, blind to their faults and to their terrible condition. Jesus was telling them to open their eyes and see themselves as they really were, with no sugar coating. That's a tough thing to do. I wonder how they reacted to the Lord's rebuke. Jesus made it clear in verse 19 that when he issues a rebuke and a stern chastisement, it is because of his love and concern for the individuals and should be understood as such. Even today, if all would understand the reasoning behind rebukes issued from the word of God, there would be no getting angry, mad, or offended at sermons and lessons taken from God's word. The reason for rebuke and chastisement is to turn people from sin, causing them to repent and to be zealous for the Lord. I don't ever want the Lord to say to me, after becoming a child of his and having salvation in hand, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. No, sir, I don't ever want the Lord to describe me in that way.